Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Good morning. Hope you've all had a good week. Hope you've all had a good morning so far and a good week. And it's, as always, just exciting to be with you guys. Really good week and excited to be here on Pentecost, which obviously is a, a real highlight on the Christian calendar. It's a, a reminder, a celebration of when the Holy Spirit was first poured out all of those years ago. And just an exciting, and this morning we're going to spend some time as Yaku and Luan mentioned as well towards the end of the service. We're going to pray with some of us. We're going to lay hands on some people. Last few weeks we've been speaking just about this letter to the Hebrews says it, it should be part and part. We've taken some basic understanding of our faith. Teams who've been ministering in the inner city and our um, commitments there. And we've laid hands on our small group facilitators and our leaders in our cell structure and this morning, we want to take some time, and we want to lay hands, we want to pray, we want to commission those who are serving in one of our service teams at the church. So I'm going to ask if that's you this morning, if you're in the band, if you're on the sound team, if you help with the um, catering and the coffee, or our children's church, any of those service teams, don't you want to take a moment and just stand up? And the rest of us are going to gather around you, and we're going to lay hands on you for a moment and really trust God to continue to empower you in your service. And so there are a whole bunch of people which are standing up, which is really exciting because we are a church where we all contribute. I want to ask if maybe we can gather around these individuals if you're not standing and let's lay hands on them for a moment. Let's take a moment and just commit them to the Lord. Pray that God is going to continue to empower them, that when someone stands up to lead worship or they go and make coffee or they greet someone at the door. They're not doing that just in their own strength. They're not just doing that because it's a nice idea to do. We're doing that because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister to people. So if we can, as everyone who stood at the show, everyone's standing now, so this gets really confusing. Everyone who is standing who needs prayer, is there anybody who doesn't have someone praying with you? If you could just raise your hand so we can see where you are some of us might need to have two hands. We've got the ministry of laying on of hands, not just hand. There we go. Someone just maybe pray with Leslie at the back there. We're we missing anybody else. Okay, I'm going to pray just a prayer for all of us. And then I'm going to give us a bit of time just as we are in our groups, just to pray and just to speak God's favor, His blessing, His empowerment on the people that you are with. And Give a minute or two for that, and then I'll, I'll wrap up again with our prayer at the end. So, Father, thank you on this special morning, Lord, as we celebrate the gift of your Spirit, Lord, that we can lay hands on our friends, Lord. And this morning, we can commit them to you. We can commission them not just as friends, as loved people, but as people on whom you breathe, to whom you have called, Lord. We want to commit their service to you, Jesus, Lord, that Every time they put their hand to their service area, the Holy Spirit, you would just empower them. That you would blow your wind, Lord, into their sails, Lord. That they would just grow in their capacity and their ability to 
demonstrate the love of Christ. And so we commit them to you even now as we lay hands on them. Holy Spirit, just as you're standing around them, just pray whatever the Spirit is laying on your heart. Let's just pray it into and over these souls. And so, Lord, this morning we just come before you again, Lord, with our, our desire to be a community that is empowered by your Spirit, Lord. Lord, not to be a, a community that rests on our own understanding or our own abilities, but we're dependent on you, Lord. Lord, even dependent in the seemingly mundane things. And so we thank you right now, even as we've been praying, just for a divine enablement over every one of these lives, Lord. Thank you for a strengthening of the Spirit. Thank you for an impartation of gifts, Lord. Thank you for growth in our ability to minister for you in Jesus' name. And so we just commit every one of these souls, God. We pray that we would grow in our service to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Isn't that a good problem to have, that there are more people serving in church than not serving in church? We don't have enough people to pray for everyone who's serving in church because everyone is serving in church already. And so I want to just thank you guys for that and encourage you. Let's trust God to just grow and multiply out that, that, that culture that we do have in our midst, even as we're wanting to multiply out this culture of celebration, which I see is a little bit awkward for us. Because some of us sitting on this side, long blonde hair, don't want to stand up when it's our birthday. Stand up and sit down. It's like a, a jack in the box. And we're going to grow to the place where not only do we love celebrating people, but we love being celebrated. Because it's part of, of the nature of God. It's part of who God is. God loves celebrating us. And we can only be celebrated as much as we are able to be celebrated. And so that's something which we're trusting to really establish more and more in our midst, that we would be comfortable in the celebration, in the giving of the celebration, but also in the receiving of the celebration. So next year, when it's her birthday again, Serena is going to be up front standing and saying, it was my birthday this month, give me the chocolate. Okay. Um, Sean, can I just ask him to share with He sent me just a really encouraging message this morning, and I want to just... Ask him to share with it. He's been training really hard, as you can sort of see with uh, the jeans, which for most of us would be baggy jeans. They're not baggy jeans for Sean. And he's been taking part in some competitions and managed to get a ticket to go to a, a big competition in Europe soon. But there's a story around that, which I've asked him to come and share with us. Thanks for making me a bit self-conscious, trying to stretch my clothes now. Um, <laughs> yeah, guys, in quiet time this morning, I was reminded of a prayer that, that Philip prayed for me some time back when I came to see him, just discussing a few change things I was going through in my life at the time. And um, it reminded me of two things specifically. The one this morning is just how invested God is in you as an individual and in your dreams. Um, something Philip prayed for specifically is I always had the dream to um, be able to compete on an international stage as a bodybuilder. Um, locally, I've been doing fairly well over the years, but I could never really just crack that, that nod to actually get there and 
stand against internationals. Um, that dream became a reality. Phase one of that the weekend passed. Um, I did compete at the Arnold Classic Africa, um, which was a very overwhelming <laughs> experience. But as overwhelming as it was, um, the Lord had really blessed me out of my socks. The performance was good. Um, I did get a top three finish, which um, warrants me an invite to the Arnold Classic Europe in October. So we took one step just a little bit further, and my pursuit of what I'm after in the sport just grows now. And um, I fell this short of an elite pro card last week, but that's fine. I said to many, the Lord's blessed me, I'll go get my pro card in Europe and not in Africa. I think it will be a bit better that way. Um, so that is just the Lord really honoring you. And I remember being called up to the podium, and, and when I went up, the Lord said to me, we did it. And I raised my hands, and I think it could have been misperceived maybe for the applause that I was getting, but it wasn't that. That was me acknowledging God and saying thank you. I raised my hands and I said, thank you, Lord, we did it. And um, he's, he's been in this journey with me in a very controversial sport, I know, especially in the Christian circles. <laughs> it's controversial. But um, he's been with me and he's been blessing me. And I'm going to continue to honor him publicly for that. The second part of it is, um, is always that we were praying that the, the Lord would continue to use me wherever I am. And I am a little bit unorthodox in nature. For those of you that do know me, I've been around. The Lord tends to put me in the weirdest of places um, and just use me to bring people to him. And I always believe that bodybuilding um, would be one of those areas as well where I'd have a big impact. And after the show, we were backstage. And the first thing we run for is food, obviously. You've been dieting for months. You, you just want to eat. And I got backstage. I got to my bag and I ran for what I had. <clears throat> and then the guy who won our lineup, um, came backstage and a huge Russian that stood in the super heavyweights as well came backstage and we were chatting as I was busy taking my sourdough bread and my chicken out of my bag. The two of them were there and um, realized that these two internationals, they don't actually have any food. And I said to them, look, come, let's, we, we're chatting, sit, eat, and help yourself. And I felt like that little kid with his lunchbox because now I'm going to feed a 125-kilogram Russian bodybuilder with my sourdough bread, but, um, but it worked out. Not small boys, not a lot of food, but we, but we got through it. And we were sitting there making samis and, and just chatting about, about things in general, not really bodybuilding, who you are as a person, where you come from, especially with the Russian, because obviously there's a bit of controversy around that. You know. but, um, but we were having a good conversation, and while we were sitting there, the Russian asked me, are you a Christian? I just looked at him and I said, oh, why are you asking? He said, there's something different about you. We sat and we ate and we enjoyed a meal. We got to know each other and we exchanged phone numbers. And we've been in contact ever since. And the nice thing that drew me to sharing this with Phil is both the Mozambican and the Russian in this week has just confirmed that they have found churches and that they'll be attending church for the very first time this morning. So when I was in quiet time, my prayer was obviously that they will have a powerful encounter with the Lord today and that he would lead both of them to salvation. Um, 
I just want to close by saying sometimes, you know, we push Christian agendas far too hard. The Lord just said to me this morning, if you remain authentic in who you are, your Christianity will reflect through everything and I will reach the unreachable. So I honor him again this morning. He's really faithful and I trust he'll continue to change many lives along the way. Thanks, Sean. And that for me, as Sean sent that message to me that, this morning, it was just so in line with what I sense God is, is wanting to say to us on this Pentecost Sunday. And I want to just latch on to where I was last week. Some of you may have missed the message. So just a, a very quick, quick recap on, on the one thought that I shared with us before we carry on, just as an aside, just a reminder that if you do miss messages, they are available on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. You can just go on there and search for Shofar Praetorian and catch up with the messages. And we're sort of talking about this idea of, of God's purpose and God's plan. And last week I spoke about this idea that we, in sort of, sort of technical theological circles, we call it the Missio Dei or simply the mission of God. The idea that, that God has a mission and underlying God's mission is this idea that God is sending. And God is initiating sending. God has always been ascending God. This sort of definition of sorts by David Bosch says mission is seen as a movement from God to the world. The church is viewed as an instrument for the mission. And then this really important sentence, there is church because there is mission, not vice versa. There is church because there is mission, not the other way around. There isn't mission because the church comes together and decides we need to do something fun with our lives. No, God sends, and because God sends, He brings us together. We gather because there is mission, and then we go because there is mission. To participate in mission is to participate in the movement of God's love towards people, since God is a fountain of sending love. We spoke about this a little bit last week and the fact that God has always been sending. Whether God is sending Moses or whether God is sending a judge, whether God is sending Jesus, the Father has always been sending. He's always been, in that sense, a missional God, a, a God from heaven who is sending towards earth. We've been talking about stepping into, into God's love and stepping into God's purpose. Part of us stepping into God's purpose is an understanding that we can only step into the purpose that God has for us once we embrace the purpose that God has. We can only embrace God's purpose for our lives once we embrace God's purpose. And so God's purpose is about this idea that He is ascending God. And I, I so love Sean's testimony because he's going there with an awareness I love Henny, he was here a couple of weeks ago. He's got this little phrase that he uses, live everywhere as if God sent you there. Live everywhere as if God sent you there. And from the beginning, as Sean has sort of begun on his sport, kind of which was, he was just drawn to of, um, of bodybuilding, there's always been this thing in his heart that he wants to reach people. He doesn't just want to do it because it's a nice sport and it gives him good exercise, but he actually wants to use it as a, a vehicle for ministry. And a, a moment like that yesterday for me, or last weekend rather, is just such a highlight where he gets to share his faith with a Russian guy and a Mozambican guy who 
probably wouldn't have gone to church otherwise. They probably wouldn't have been in an environment with, of believers otherwise. And yet here is somebody who's stepping out of the mold with a deliberate purpose as well because there's mission. I'm going where I'm going because I'm sent here. And there is a purpose that we embrace. And so we have this idea, this mission of going and God is sending. We should be going and we should be sent. And that's a little bit of, of what we spoke about last week, but then sort of with an understanding that's, that's part of the attribute of God, that God is this redemptive historical initiative towards mankind, towards His creation. We read in Acts 4, he, sorry, in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, he, he says something almost against His nature. When God looks at His disciples and He says, when He was eating with them, He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. In other words, don't go. All along the last few days and weeks, he's been saying to them, go, go into all the world. Go, go, go. I'm sending you in kind of as lambs among wolves. I'm sending you, you're sent ones. He calls them apostles, which means sent people, messengers. He's saying, go, 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 go. His whole message to them for the last three years has been go. That's escalated into these last weeks of his life. Go, 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 go. And then just before he ascends into heaven, he says, but don't go. Don't go yet. Don't go in your own strength. Don't go the way that you are now. I've invested so much into your lives these last three years. I've, I've taught you what ministry looks like. I've sent you on ministry trips. You've come back. There's been feedback. There's been interaction. There's been training. You, you know exactly what needs to happen but don't go yet. Don't go because you're not ready yet. Don't go because you don't have what it takes yet. He says, don't go until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to go, but I don't want you to go as you are. Having seen everything you've seen, having experienced everything you've experienced, having gone through the best three years of Bible school anybody on this planet has ever been through, you're not ready. Don't go yet. Because if you go now, you're going in your own strength. You're going in your own ability. You're going in your own understanding. You're going with what you have to give and what you have to give is not very much. What you have to give isn't what people need. What you have to give isn't going to set people free. What you have to give isn't going to deliver them. What you have to give isn't going to heal them. What you have to give isn't going to change them. What you have to give, as precious as it may be, isn't very much. But something is about to change. And so there are two ways. He says, don't go because you're not ready. And so there are two ways, and then he says, but you will be ready when you have the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when this day of Pentecost has fully come, then you will be ready. And the Holy Spirit makes us ready in, in many ways. The Holy Spirit imparts so much into our lives because the Holy Spirit is God himself who comes to dwell among us and within us. And in Bible school, we're able to unpack this a lot more. But for our purposes this morning, there are two key things 
that we need to speak about. Two key things how the Holy Spirit makes us ready. The first one is, if we look back in, in the Old Testament, we have, it's almost sometimes, it's sometimes, but there were many people who were filled with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. It's almost sometimes as when we read Scripture, we think the Holy Spirit is a New Testament thing. But if you go and read, Moses was filled with the Holy Spirit. At one stage, God says, I'm going to take some of the Spirit that's on you, and I'm going to put it on a whole bunch of other people, and they're going to begin to prophesy. And everybody else says, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Why are these people prophesying? They're not meant to have the Spirit. And Moses is like, I wish everybody had the Spirit. A desire was in Moses, but it just it didn't work that way in the Old Testament. David was filled with the Holy Spirit, and so baptized. He was anointed, literally, with the Holy Spirit when he was anointed as king. And so there are multiple occasions. We know Solomon, sorry, Samuel was, no, not that one, the other S. No, not that one, the other S, the bad guy. The good guy was the bad guy, the strong guy. Samson, sorry. Don't know why that name escaped me there for a moment. Samson was filled with the Holy Spirit. Samson was divinely empowered by the Holy Spirit. Scripture is really clear about that. And then one day he wakes up and the Spirit is no longer with him. And so we have multiple people who throughout the Old Testament were filled with the Spirit. But as they were filled with the Spirit, that people who were filled with the Holy Spirit were people who may have been good enough. The irony of all of that is that as we study Scripture, we see nobody in the Old Testament was good enough. Samson, a great example, incredibly powerful, gifted with the Holy Spirit, but still failed in so many areas of his lives, of his life. David, the one who is the one person in the whole of the Old Testament who Scripture says has a heart after God. He's like the, the jewel in the crown of the Old Testament. Rapes and murders. Even he fails. And so throughout the Old Testament, we just see failure after failure of people who are filled with the Spirit in an anointing in a powerful type of way. And then towards the end of of the, New, of the Old Testament, in Joel chapter 2, we read this really beautiful, such a profound passage where God says, after doing all of these things, He's going to restore and redeem and change the nation and a whole bunch of things. He says, I will pour out my Spirit. Maybe kind of where Moses had this desire, I wish that everyone was filled with the Spirit. This is the first time in Scripture where we're actually confronted with this idea that everybody will be filled with the Spirit. God says, I will pour my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour my spirit out even on servants, men and women alike. I will cause wonders in the heaven and the earth, kind of even on servants that's on slaves. In other words, not just the high and mighty, not just the valuable, not just the chosen, not just the ones who are kind of, of a, a higher social order or the ones who are more holy. He says, no, everyone, I will pour my spirit on everyone. Not men, not women. Obviously, this is spoken to a culture where women are almost second-class citizens. He says, not servants, doesn't matter. Men, women, doesn't matter. My spirit is for everyone. 
I will cause wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion and Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. And so we see two things here. The first one is we see the Holy Spirit being poured upon all flesh. We'll touch what that, mean, on what that means in a moment. The second is he God connects it to salvation. He says there will be a calling on the name of the Lord. There will be a saving, as he says there. This translation loses it a little bit. But he says some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, will escape judgment. They will be saved. And so here we see these Two elements coming through, and the first one for us is so important. Paul emphasizes it in Ephesians chapter 1. So the book of Ephesians is obviously written, and sometimes we miss this when we read books of the Bible. It's written to in the city of Ephesus. These people were not Jewish people. They had not grown up with Jewish customs. They were what the Jews would have considered unbelievers, heathen, Gentiles. They were not worthy to be part of the Jewish community and the Jewish culture according to Jewish tradition. And so Paul writes to these people who in human understanding up to this point were second class in the faith because they were not Jewish. They were not born of the bloodline of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They weren't that line of, of blood. And so, Paul writes to them, he says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance that He promised and that He has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise Him and glorify Him. And so the first thing that we see happens in an authentic experience with the Holy Spirit is there is a settling of our identity. The whole of the rest of the sort of the next three chapters, the first three chapters of Ephesians, this is the introduction, is all about the fact that these, these Ephesians are as much part of the body of, body of God as anybody else. He goes and he calls them fellow citizens, sort of the, the famous word that's used there. So the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about you are as much part of the body of Christ as anybody else. The last three chapters of Ephesians are because you are part of the body of Christ, this is how you ought to behave. But the first three chapters are all about identity. So the first thing that happens is God comes and He reestablishes identity. God comes and He doesn't remind us who we are. He shows us who we are. You and I are children of the Most High God. And what proves that, what validates that, what makes that real to us, what is the, the down payment, the deposit of that which is to come, the guarantee, the Arabon, I'll speak about that in a moment, is the Holy Spirit. See, the Arabon is a little bit like the engagement ring. It's exactly what the word means. So when I asked Anetta to, 
to marry me, and I put a, a ring on her finger for the next cup promise. We were married. We weren't married yet. But there was a promise that I had made, a commitment that I had made towards her, that this is definitely what is going to happen. We're not married yet, but I'm going to marry you. We set the date and we start planning towards it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit for us here on this earth is that wedding ring of what waits for us in eternity. It's the promise to say, this isn't quite the finished product yet, but this, this ensures, this is a guarantee that you have that the, prom, the, the final promise is coming. So we receive the Holy Spirit. So the reason why I'm, I'm sharing this word with us this morning is because I truly believe God, is, as He's been saying to us all this year, is He's bringing us back to step into His love and to step into His purpose. See, we can't step into the purpose that God has for us if we haven't first been immersed in His love. Rediscovering our identity is all about being immersed in His love. I love looking at, at children, and I like to think my children fall into this category, children who come from a loving home, children who come from a place where they know they are loved. There's a security within them. There's a sureness in their identity. There's a, a self-confidence which they carry with them, not an arrogance, but just an, oh, I'm loved. doesn't matter what happens here. There are people back home who love me, who will hug me, who are always going to feed me if I need food and clothe me if I need clothes. But more than that, they're going to embrace me because they love me. They celebrate me. Some of us come from home environments like that, but many of us don't. And what God wants to come and establish, and you see one of the reasons why the encounter series for us is so important is because it leads us to God's purpose. And so I want to hold this out here again. Maybe some of us have missed this kind of, what is it when we're talking about stepping into God's purpose? What is the purpose that God has for us? It's very simple. It's to reach nations and generations, to make disciples, to raise up leaders, to plant churches. What is it that God has called us to do? That is what God has called us to do. I love, Sean, just in this one little testimony here, a Russian and a Mozambican in a simple conversation. That in some way, Sean was able to plant some seeds. There were probably some other people in their lives who've also planted community where those seeds are going to be more planted and some are going to be watered. We're going to trust God for germination in those lives, as Sean said, that they would have an encounter with God and with the people of God. That's what God's called us to. God has called us to make disciples and to be disciple makers. And so one of the things that we're really taking, I'm just kind of taking stock of and being really serious about, going to start having conversations with all of you guys about this and really just loving, hopefully affirming environments is, are we growing as disciples? Are you growing as a disciple? Are you growing in obedience to Christ? Is that something that's manifesting in your life? Are you growing in your identity as being rooted in Christ? I love that about my kids. I know whatever somebody else might say to them outside, it might hurt, it might 
not be nice for them to hear, but it's not going to shake their identity because they know who they are, because they know who we are. God has identified you as His own by placing His Holy Spirit upon you. You are His. Scripture says, and His Spirit bears witness together with ours that we are His children. That we have not received a spirit of adoption again to fear, but we have received it for boldness, for freedom. I'm paraphrasing. We have received it for life and for purpose. And so that's the first thing that God establishes in us when He establishes Spirit within us. One of the reasons why the encounter series for us is so important is because it's a vehicle by which we help people engage with this. So I'm going to just put this out here really boldly. If you are a part of our church, which looking around, I think most of us probably are, I want to invite you to two things. First one is to attend the encounter series. It's Name originally, when we designed it, was the Spirit Encounter Series. It's still in some of the literature. And it's because it's an encounter with the Spirit. Starting this coming Wednesday, we're going to be presenting the Encounter Series, the, the first part again. If you haven't done it yet, come and join us. But then I want to take it just a little bit further. It's, and that's kind of, if I have attended, why don't I commit to being part of presenting the Encounter Series? Because that's what we do. We reach people. We grow people. Maybe not every installment, not every time, but maybe say, hey, this, maybe the third one, legacy, that really touched me. It really changed my life. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find out who's in charge of legacy. I'm going to put my hand up. I'm going to find out when the next legacy is. I'm going to put that on my calendar. I'm going to cancel everything else because I'm going to be there to create an environment for people to experience Christ because that is what God has called me to do. That's who He's called me to be. He's established something within me. But we can only do that if our identity is secure in Christ. If we're still unsure about who we are, then the invitation comes. <laughs> My daughter this morning, I don't know why I'm thinking about this now. She walks in very worried. Calendar. We've got a little calendar downstairs where we've kind of, everyone can see what's happening over the next couple of weeks. And we're like, well, what, what, what do you mean? She says, no. It stays unnumbered. Um, <laughs> some of you will get that a little bit later. Anyway. And so some of us will, will have a, an encounter. I want to be at that encounter, but I'm not going to commit to that because maybe, just maybe, there's a better invitation that's coming. Maybe, just maybe, somebody's going to send me an invitation to come and join somewhere else, to be somewhere else, to be at a party. And then it comes down to that question of the identity. Whose am I primarily? No, I need to be at that party because I, I need to be seen. I need to be supported. I, I need people to affirm me in some way. No, I, I can't right now even kind of, I know church camp is coming up, and I know I want to be there. I probably need to be there, but I'm just going to wait. I love it when people ask me, when do registrations close for events? Because then I can give them my answer. I say, it doesn't matter when it closes. It's already open. You can register right now. You see, the only reason we don't register, whether for church or anything else, why we're wanting to know how long can we postpone it for is because we want to keep our options open. Imagine it's your wedding day coming up and you go to your spouse and say, when is the last day I can commit to being there? And until when can I 
maybe have a better option than still kind of my tabling and go that direction. You see, I just God's stirring in us again that if, if we're going to truly embrace what He wants us to do, there's a sacrifice to it, but there's a joy in that sacrifice. There's an understanding of God. This is who I am. This is who you have made me to be. I am yours. And so with confidence, I'm going to say, I'm not going to be at the legacy because it's my grandmother's 90th birthday. And I'm going to be there witnessing through my who I am to my family. And we're going to be there boldly. But what we're not going to do is let me wait until the day before and make a decision. No, I'm going to be where I can be for the sake of the purpose of God. See, the, the thing that happens when we receive the Holy Spirit in a New Testament sense, in the Old Testament sense, it's a little bit, we esteem David and we're going to esteem Samuel and we're going to esteem Saul and we're going to esteem the others who are kings and those who are anointed because the fact that they are anointed makes them worthy. In the New Testament, the whole thing flips around. See, in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit is poured upon all flesh, God says, you are worthy of my spirit because I make you worthy. You are worthy of my dwelling place. You are worthy of receiving of me. You are worthy, not because of what you've done, not because of anything that you can contribute, but you're worthy because I make you worthy. I deem you to be worthy. You're mine. Just like my kid. We've got some parents of, of very young children here. Those very young children are fully worthy to be your kids. But what have they contributed? They've contributed some dirty nappies. Maybe they've contributed some, what's a nice word for stuff that comes out of the mouth onto your shirt here. Maybe they've contributed some of that. They've contributed some sleepless nights. In a purely rational sense, their contribution right now, family, added value. They haven't brought anything to the family, but they're worthy. They're worthy of every ounce of your love. Not because of what they've done, but because of who they are. And that's the saying that God looks at you and he says, you are worthy not because of what you've done, but because of who you are, you are his. And waiting and expecting for my daughter to begin to contribute financially or to begin to contribute in some way before, before they become part of my family, that's foolishness. We all understand that. And yet somehow we bring that into our faith and we think only once I start, only when I'm good enough, only when I contribute enough, only when I'm holy enough, only when I'm pure enough, am I worthy? God says, no, you're worthy already. That's the whole point of the book of Ephesians, actually says, you are already worthy. So begin to live as if you are worthy. Your living doesn't make you worthy. You are worthy. You might as well live as if you're worthy. And so God is drawing us into his life. He's wanting to establish and reestablish identity, whose we are. We are his. That's the first thing that the Holy Spirit comes and establishes in our lives. That's what we celebrate on Pentecost. We celebrate that we are God's, that He has labeled us. He has put His barcode upon us, His seal, His sticker. No one is going to ever think we are anybody else's because His Spirit rests upon us. And then the second, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the passage we know so well. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
and you will be my witnesses. I love what someone said once. If you're a follower of God, you're his witness. The only question is, are you a good witness or a bad witness? What are you demonstrating to a broken world about the God we serve? Are we demonstrating that He is a good, loving, holy, righteous God? Or are we demonstrating impatient God? That He is rude and upset with everyone and everything because that's who we are. Are we reflecting to the world a loving, gracious God? I hope so because He said, you will be my witnesses. Let's be His witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, this is the one that we often speak about. This is the easy one. He empowers us to do. One of the reasons why we're laying hands on people is throughout these next couple of weeks, there's some more groups that we're going to lay hands on in the the weeks to come. And just making a point of saying, Holy Spirit, we want to be a Spirit-empowered church. We are a Spirit-empowered church. We're not a man-empowered church. We don't rest on our own understanding or our own ability. God has given us understanding. He has given us abilities. And sure, we want to maximize that, but under the power of the Holy Spirit. So who are we as a church? We are a church that goes. We are a church that says, yes, we are ready to go. We are a church who puts the mission day, the mission of God first. We are a church who doesn't quite understand, but we embrace it that God says, seek first the kingdom of God and all His His righteousness and all these other things will be added. I find myself stepping into that so often. Worried about what are we going to eat and what am I going to drink? End of the month, you know, we're all there. Accounts need to be paid. Budgets need to be made. Those are realities. Children's school fees. Those are real. And we sit and we wonder about them and we kind of, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. And then I read that passage and then the Holy Spirit comes upon me and says what Scripture says. This is what Gentiles worry about. This is what unbelievers worry about. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of those things will be taken care of. And so as we get to our, our finances at the end of the month, as we get to our decisions we need to make, as we get to our what am I doing with my Wednesday, one of the reasons why Wednesdays are for us so important is or whenever your small group happens to be, we try and have a small group that accommodates as many different people in different time slots and different spaces as possible. It's like, am I committed to this journey of discipleship both for myself and for the people around me? Am I going to invest into that? Yes, it's going to cost me something. There, I've been there. I've got small kids. It's uncomfortable putting kids in the car. But I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm going to put those things first because I'm embracing His bodybuilder, but I'm more there as a Christian. I'm more there looking for opportunities to minister, to pray with, not to push agendas, as Sean said so well but to demonstrate love. and Yes, it's cost. For him, it was a simple act of just sharing his food. Yes, he's hungry. Yes, it's costing him something. He could probably eat that sour bread and that chicken, however many chicken. It was all by himself right there in that moment. Choose to share. Make a small sacrifice for an eternal reward. 
And so many of us, we, we came to faith as students. How many of us here came to faith before we were 25? Hands up. A whole bunch of us, most of us. Some of us are still under 25. And you know, under 25, there it was easy. We were students. Pursuing Jesus, His kingdom, His righteousness, and oh, I'll also pass my degree. Please, um, please make sure you also pass your degree. To come around for us as students wasn't, am I going on mission or am I not going on mission? It was, which mission am I going on? I'm obviously going on a mission. I just don't know which one yet. Going to early morning, 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning, prayer meetings. Going to the pubs on Friday nights to go and pray with people. Those were all things which we didn't think twice about. Many of us were there. We were in that moment where Jesus first, absolutely first, above everything else, and then kind of a couple of steps, and then the other things that we worry about. And then we grow up. Life happens. Finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. That's amazing. And, and children come, and they're a blessing from the Lord, and they add no sorrow. But then, little by little, the cares surrounding all of the career begins to grow. And now the career becomes important. The job is important. The next qualification is important. And all of these cares begin to swallow us and they begin to become like a little constrictor snake and they begin to squeeze the life out of us because we aren't able to put the kingdom of God and His righteousness first. We don't wake up with a little bit of abandon in the morning and saying, I don't quite know what's going to happen today, but I know God's kingdom is going to be put first. We're like, God, I'm going to put your kingdom first, but I'm just first going to pay my kids' school fees. God, I'm going to put your kingdom first, but I'm just first going to make sure my boss is happy. God, I'm going to put your kingdom, but, and please, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't work. Scripture says we must live to be at peace with all men, excluding your boss. And please, if you've got your kid enrolled in a school, make a way, pay the school fees. The teacher needs her salary. Those are all legitimate things to be doing. What is the concern in our hearts? And so this morning, I want to pray with some of us. Maybe it's just one of us. Maybe it's a whole bunch of us. On this day of Pentecost, two groups of people specifically, I would love to pray with. The first one, if you're here and you know that this identity thing, you still struggle with this idea that you could be a children, a child of God. Maybe you've never committed your life to Him, and today's the first time you want to do that. We want to pray with you that you may come to know what it feels like, what that identity, that surety in your identity that I am a child of God. Maybe that's you this morning. We would love to pray with you. Maybe you have been a child of God for a long time. Maybe you've been following Him, but there's just this nagging thing inside of you. I'm not worthy. I'm not His. Sometimes I feel like I'm His, but I can't stand that. I don't know that I know that I know that I've got a father standing there with arms wide open, just waiting to embrace me. The Holy Spirit wants to come and settle that in your heart this morning. The second group of people we'd love to pray with this morning is if you're here this morning and you know you've lost a little bit of that vibrancy of going. You say, yes, I want to make disciples. Yes, I want to see the kingdom of God. I'm committed to the mission of God, but the mission of God is maybe taken, a, maybe it's equal or second or third. Maybe the mission of God is important, but not quite as important as the mission of my career or the mission of my family. 
maybe you haven't said that out loud, but even just now you're realizing that that's a little bit what's begun to happen in your heart. And you just want to come again like you were maybe as a student, some of us were, just that place of God. I just want to put your mission above every other mission again, Lord. Yes, God, my child's, child's needs are real. They're absolutely real. The bills that need to be paid at the, at the end of the month, they're absolutely real. The realities of life are absolutely real, God. But I'm, I'm going to choose just to put you above that again, Lord. To embrace your mission. To say that first and foremost, I am a follower of Christ and thereby a disciple maker. I'm going to be reaching out to people. When I go to work, God, I'm going to trust your mission above every other mission in my workplace. As much as I'm going to be praying for the finances and for the contracts that need to come through, I'm going to be praying for the people to be saved and for your kingdom to be established. I want to make that first again. So can we stand this morning? I want to pray with us, all of us, and then I'm going to ask some of us to come to the front because we want to pray with you. If you need that identity thing settled or you just want to come back to God and say, God, I'm ready to go. Lord, I, I know it's intimidating and I don't quite know what it means and what it's going to practically look like for me, my family, where I am now. But I'm ready to go wherever you would send me. And so, Jesus, I thank you right now for every single soul here, Lord. Thank you, God, that we can celebrate the cross of Christ and that today we can celebrate Pentecost, that you sent your Spirit. You sent your Spirit as a guarantee of that which is to come, Lord, of eternity in your presence, of peace that surpasses all understanding, of identity that we are yours. And you sent your Spirit to once we've stepped into your love, to step into your purpose, to embrace your mission, Lord, your mission of sending to your creation for redemption and for healing for restoration and for salvation, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, we bring our hearts before you, God. We bring our needs and our desires, but we lay them down before your need and your desire, Lord, to see the nations come and worship. I want to ask while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you want to respond to any of those two, if you need someone to pray with you, don't you just want to step forward from where you are? You're saying, God, this identity thing, I just, I need to have my identity settled in Christ. Or you wanting to say, God, I, I need to just again choose to put you first. Just step forward if that's you. We want to pray with you this morning. Anyone and all, amen. Thank you so much. Anyone else, just come right to the front here. Anyone else who wants to say, Jesus, I'm putting you first. I've been putting you sort of first, maybe a little bit second or third at times, but I just want to put you first again, Lord. It's going to be uncomfortable, I know. It's going to be a little bit challenging. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I want to do that. Not in my own strength and not in my own ability. I want to do this by you. maybe have some small group facilitators just come and pray with your souls in front Jesus we thank you this morning that we can bring our hearts before you Lord 
lay them down naked. Ask that you would put your seal again on our identities, Lord. Jesus, to put you first above all else because Pentecost makes that possible in Jesus' name. We're going to keep praying for these precious people in front. If you still need prayer, maybe there's something going on in your life and you would just love someone to pray with you, you're welcome to step forward. We're going to pray with you. Otherwise, obviously, you're welcome to hang around outside. Join us for a braai. The smell the fires are going already. We're just going to have a great time of fellowship. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Remember, you can join us on Wednesday night for Life Encounter. You're going to have a great time joining us. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.